Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership between Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. What's up, JR? Hey, Doug. The fall is here and we're loving it. It's beautiful. It's, it's nothing, nothing could stop. It's beautiful. <laughs> this is your birthday month. Yeah, this man. This is my favorite month. I, I just love October for so many reasons. Yeah. It's a different October than normal, but yes. I love October. Yeah, it's it's been interesting trying to find the the healthy rhythms right now in this in this season that I know I love as well. But even just from the perspective of it, it is kind of still a little bit strange, but it's been good to see the leaves fall, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and we're really excited. I know you and I have been looking forward to this conversation for a while because, you know, as we talk in this interview with some people we'll introduce in a few minutes, but the idea of integrity and in ministry. We all know it's important, right? Like we know we're supposed to be full of integrity, but yet we keep seeing in the news all sorts of these stories of people who are in put, put in places of leadership, especially spiritual leadership, and they just abuse it. Yeah. And it's we've we've probably suffered through that ourselves. Maybe we've even done that to others who've suffered through that. Um but we're really excited about this conversation. Excited may be a strong word. It's an important one and one we're glad we get to address in this. And I know over the last several months, I'm just growing very fatigued over a lot of things. But one of the things is just seeing these stories of people that are doing, saying one thing and doing another, hmm. right? Jesus, of course, talked about, you know, hypocrites, whitewashed tombs, these religious leaders. And so it's easy to read scripture and say, it's about, oh, those people over there. <laughs> when really, when we read the scriptures, especially as pastors who listen to this podcast, Jesus, actually, we're, we're pretty close to the Pharisees more yes. than we think. And so we don't often read Pharisees as we, we read it as they. And so maybe one of the practices we need to do is begin to, when we hear Pharisees, begin to think, is Jesus saying this about me or about us rather than about mm. quote unquote them? <laughs> That's so good, JR. I, you know, being a, being a young pastor, seeing some major integrity issues in leaders that I worked under, um, one of the, one of the most incredible truths that came out of all of it in my own soul was the realization that I'm only two or three bad decisions away from tanking my own ministry. Yeah, maybe even one. <laughs> right. Yeah, or one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's depends a good point. on that one, right? Right. It depends on that one. But but I think, you know, it's interesting because we 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 talk a lot about, you know, grace and truth. And and you, you sent me this really fascinating um, yeah, just like this quadrant. Um I'd love for you to talk about the grace and truth continuum that you've been kind of playing with that you've shared with leaders. Yeah. So, you know, Paul talks about speak the, speaking the truth in love, and then we know we're supposed to be full of grace and truth, right? Jesus was full of grace and truth. And those are all good things, but how do we begin to do that? I love two by two matrix matrices, I should say. And uh, so I just, I always love doing that on an X, Y axis. And so um, just thinking about high grace and, and low grace, sort of north to south, uh, and then sort of east to west, left to right is low truth on the left and high truth on the right. And so sometimes, obviously, we want to be in high grace, high truth environments. That's sort of the upper right box of the matrix, right? High grace and high truth is is an empowered place to live. It's full of great freedom, right? It's what Jesus calls us into when we live that well. When it's high grace but low truth, it's actually a sense of entitlement, in the upper left box. And it actually could be called laziness where we just go, Oh, do whatever you want. It's totally fine. But we aren't actually speaking the truth to people. Mm. Um, but if we have high truth uh, or sorry, low, low truth. Uh, sorry. Let me say this again in the bottom left. If it's low truth, but low grace, there's a lot of boredom there. Right. And we become embittered because it's like, we don't know if people are telling us the truth and they're kind of being a jerk about it. And that is boredom, but it's really, we just get just totally bitter with people mm -hmm. where there's no grace and there's no truth whatsoever. That's a high stress environment that any of us live in, whether it's a home or a church or a workplace, whatever it may be. But if there's low grace and high truth, that can lead to incredible amounts of stress and mm -hmm. exhaustion where it's like, we're going to tell you what, whether you want to hear it or not, we're going to tell you. But it's we're not being kind to each other. And so that leaves us very exhausted and stressed. So we've got to kind of double major in high, high grace and high truth on that and to be full of freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
That is oftentimes when I talk with leaders to say, where are you right now? Okay, if I were to ask your five people that work with you or people in your church, where would they put you right now? How would we know who's telling the truth? And where do we go from here? How do we create a culture that's high grace and high truth? So I think when it comes to this, this conversation will be happen, happen, happening excuse me, with our guests, um, that we need to make sure that we're in that high grace, high truth context, that, that, that quadrant up there in the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Jer. I think it's, it's really helpful for me just as I think through, well, even the profession of, of a doctor, right? Like I would not want a doctor showing up in my room being like, Hey man, everything's cool. Like, just so you know, you're going to die. Um, it's stage is terminal, but Hey man, it's going to be okay. Like I think having that that beautiful balance, um, it just brings, I, I don't know, it, even if it stings, even if you hear it when it's done in a way where love and truth and grace are beautifully balanced, um, it creates transformation. And I think that's the goal. And so even in the midst of the conversation that we're about to have, you know, the hope is that even if you're someone that feels like you really need to grow or there's some integrity issues that you don't hear this as a as a condemnation, but you, you hear the voice of the spirit beginning to speak and encourage to come into the light, come into the truth. Yeah. And Jesus certainly is that right. Grace and truth together. So when we enter into that, we're receiving what Jesus is and who, what he offers to us. And then we get a chance to turn around and then extend that to others. Mm. Jeff and Tara Matson are authors, podcasters, and the co-founders of Living Wholehearted. Jeff and Tara apply their unique cumulative experience, decades of leading, counseling, and consulting to help leaders live with integrity in business, ministry, and at home. They are the authors of the new book, Shrinking the Integrity Gap Between What Leaders Preach and Live. And so we're excited to have Jeff and Tara on with us today. Well, Jeff and Tara, thanks so much for your willingness to be on the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast with us. So good to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you recently, you have a book that's coming out and on a very important topic of talking about shrinking the integrity gap. And I'm so, we are so excited to have you on because, and I'm glad you've written about it because it's one of those things that's close to our hearts on the podcast and even the name of your organization of Living Wholehearted is something that we talk about quite a bit. So why don't we start there before we get to your book. Tell us about your organization, Living Wholehearted. What does it mean to live wholeheartedly? And why is that a passion enough for you to start an organization and name it that? Okay, well, uh, Living Wholehearted is really about all of your life, really. Uh, your relationships, uh, your mindset, your actions, your speech, uh, all of who you are as a person, hopefully moving in a singular, and in, in our case, uh, a, a, a biblical, a Christ-like direction, right? Now, nobody does that perfectly. <laughs> Only Jesus didn't have what we call the integrity gap. That is, in other words, the distance between what you preach and how, what you say, no matter who you are and how you actually live, right? Gap. So we all have a gap. We're working on our gap. We're trying to close that down. And I think also it's a noble pursuit for no matter what you believe, what your worldview is, but especially if it is a biblical worldview, mm. we're to be about closing that down in this life. Everybody, though, can get behind that. I've, I've never really met anybody, right, uh, who says, you know, integrity, nah, I'd rather not. You know, or um, so that's where it, it can apply to the human condition, the human condition. And of course, from our b- biblical worldview, we're working on to shrink that down. A leader is anyone with a following. Right. So you could be a parent. You're leading the most important organization on the planet, the family unit that God's given us to, and called us towards. And and that, of course, the family units uh, make up individuals, couples, families make up the church. You know, right? The bride of Christ. So uh, we're saying that leadership matters and how you live and lead matters. And it's a noble pursuit for us every day to start shrinking that gap. It's a lifestyle. It's not an event. You don't go to a conference and say, I'm going to, I'm now living with integrity. Mm. And uh, it, it, and there's ebbs and flows, ups and downs. And living wholehearted is a is just the what God's called us to, you know, in 2011, professional counseling, organizational development, leadership coaching, 
it's our way to get access to leaders. And God's brought leaders our way for the past couple decades, even before we founded Living Wholehearted. And and uh, so that in yeah. a nutshell. So Jeff gave you the elevator pitch. I'll give you kind of the behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> you know, we were we've been in full time ministry, vocational ministry in different capacities. Uh, Jeff and I are leader types. Uh, we're the kind that walk in the door and someone wants to hand us uh, something to take over, or we're the first ones to say, hey, yeah, we can do that. No problem. Uh, so there's this leader type and uh, being in ministry and in the church for many years ourselves, and we love the Lord, but we were seeing this gap that was happening between how we show up at church and in, in front of one another, and then the, what was happening behind closed doors and having the privilege of working in what was called the wholeness ministries at a large uh, mega church in Oregon, and then being able to go into the counseling office and recognizing there's a real divide of what we're showing people and what's happening in our homes versus how we're living and wanting others to see us. And so that's kind of really um, the backside. And, and we know that personally in our own lives. And, and so God has just really asked us to speak specifically to the leaders. We think if we can impact the leaders, then everyone behind them will be impacted by their wholeness and their health and their um, emotional um, and spiritual and relational wholeness. Yeah, great. Well, as you work with leaders, whether they're ministry leaders or leaders in the workplace or nonprofits or the church, what are some of the, the common masks so when we talk about the gaps, can you name some things that you're seeing, whether it's through the counseling or the coaching that you're doing to say, yeah, these are probably the top two or three or five masks we're seeing among among Christian leaders these days? Well, I would say this one's kind of hard to explain, but I think we all can resonate with it. When I say it, you'll go, oh, yeah, there's this kind of subtle vulnerability that we'll give to people to say, oh, yeah, I struggle. And we kind of say, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. Um, <laughs> but there, that's really as far as it will go. Um, and in terms of pushing that, um, we will run from those relationships if anyone really wants to get behind that mask. So there's a subtle vulnerability. We all want it. We're all putting it out there. We'll share with the masses on Sunday morning or on social media. But when it comes to actually letting somebody into the crevices of how we really feel, what we really think, what's really going on in our private life, that feels too, vul too vulnerable. And, and we'll stop there. I would also say that uh, maybe one of the bigger masks that leaders tend to wear, particularly leaders in the church, right? You know, pastors, people who are in vocational ministries and uh, working in a church setting are maybe the most vulnerable to thinking that they have to have it all together, right? Mm -hmm. And you guys know this and have been at this for a long time. You can understand that um, in your own journeys as uh, we talk about it in ours. But the church um, is supposed to have, I mean, Christ has the answers, the, the word is is our uh, compass our, and, and guides us and the Holy Spirit internally leads us, right? So we have the answers. Pastors can take that on. People who are working in ministry settings have, can take that on. Like they have to be the one to deliver the answers. And um, in reality, we may have a lot of questions. And, and, uh, and we, as a culture... Uh, are very vulnerable to keeping up the appearances that everything's okay and that the answers are what people are needing and ignoring what's going on inside, as Tara's describing, and ignoring it too long or hiding, actually, mm. and taking it into the hiding space yeah. um, and isolating and trying to compartmentalize. And it's very, it's a vulnerable place. It's a dangerous place to, to get to in ministry. And our, we're working to try to make a, a dent in that, right? Well, can I just say there's something unique about the pastor role or the ministry leader role, because it's kind of in, in as counselors, we're not supposed to have dual relationships. And what that means is I can't go to coffee with my client, but as a pastor, I mean, you're going to have like 10 relationships. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You're my boss. You're also my best friend. And I just married you and I did premarital counseling for your children. And I mean, it gets a great messy. Point. Messy, a great point. Right? And, and, so, I'm, and I'm going to bury you. <laughs> Maybe sooner than later. <laughs> yeah, so the compassion and the complexity is it's so real. It's heavy and you can't get out. 
um, the boundaries are lacking. And so um, there's great compassion, even though the masks are there, they're there for a reason because yeah, everywhere you turn, there's a cost to how real you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jeff and Tara, I, you guys are, I just appreciate the way you just named uh, masks that I know I feel on a, yeah. on a regular basis, but even, you know, what people don't see is Jeff had his fingers intertwined going like this, as we were talking about the 10 different relationships uh, that pastors are having at any given moment. Um, but so you have this going on. And on top of that, there's there's this the pandemic and there's all the stuff that's happening in 2020. Like, how is that feeding into the the unwholehearted pastor or what is that doing to pastors and to ministry leaders? Yeah, I think um, the epidemic of anxiety was already present prior to the pandemic. The intensity of feeling like I've got to have it all together or I can only be so vulnerable. Um, and then add the pandemic, the social unrest, the the racial injustices, every layer that we've got going on. The brain is actually on overload and we have a global PTSD response happening. And then leaders have an extra layer of responsibility on top of that. I mean, I'll just shrink it down into the parenting role. You know, I'm just trying to do online school for my kids and my kids have a response to the fact that the Internet's not coming happening and they're starting to cry. But as a parent, I'm crying for them. I'm crying for myself. I'm trying to hold it all together. And so take that and multiply that for a shepherd who's really seeking to care for their people, but is human as well and is being impacted. Yeah, I, I the brain and we, we talk about this and appreciate Dr. Dan Siegel's work and neuro neuroscience. It, 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 it reinforces what we as believers know and, and believed about God's design of our bodies and that trauma is stored in our bodies. But also there's that resiliency, there's the neuroplasticity, and yet we are all in it right now. It's overload. Our brain and Siegel talks about it, the lids flipping, everybody's lids flipping. And even the best of us, those that are most mature, if you will. I'm not putting myself in that category. I'm saying the best of us, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham. Let's talk about some of these famous, right? They also had integrity guests, by the way. Um, They write about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the best of us have the difficulty regulating what's going on. And and that's normal. But it's also um, the challenge for for the, the shepherd leaders that are out there in this time when they're needed the most right now. Mm. is to is actually to talk about how normal it is and how they're struggling in it as well it's not what what, what is it that phrase that you talk about humanity it's not the absence of humanity um it's yeah it's being not being human. human it's recognizing and being honest about your humanity about your humanity is really the integrity mm-hmm. yeah and that in that and of itself when, when pastors do this and it's one of the reasons we love our pastor is because he's talking about this not oversharing inappropriately not like i'm depressed today and here's the word of the lord you know <laughs> But, but he, but he talks about the struggles Mm -hmm. and, and he names certain things that he's navigating that others are. And as that happens, it normalizes and helps the church feel like I'm not coming to something that I have to show up for or be a certain way. I don't have to keep up an appearance. I can, I'm, I'm here and I'm here to receive, not from just my pastor, like he's the one feeding but from God Almighty, you know, as he, my pastor or she, they're feeding too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I want to just true. be really clear to just say that um, I think when we are in the extremes that we're in right now, it means a lot of the extra stuff that we thought was important has to fall. Mm. And we really come face to face with our limitations. Mm. And that's where we have to be the most honest. We can't keep doing all the other things we were doing prior to this pandemic. Mm. And things we just can't. We can't be as best of a friend and we can't have the the regular um, rhythms that we always liked to have. And so we have to really get all leaders have to be super important, uh, really particular about what they can do and what they can't do. And that is an mm-hmm. honest conversation with God first and with your small community, with your small community who yeah. know you well and are honest to say, yeah, you can't be doing that and that and mm-hmm. that and that. So right now let's just do this one thing and let's do that one thing. Well, yeah. Yeah. Scarcity brings clarity, doesn't it? And <laughs> we oftentimes 
we think that limitations as pastors, uh, that the, that's a curse when actually it can be a blessing if we can see it as such. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Tara, but it sounds like that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The limitation is a gift when we see it as, as such rather than a curse. Um, you mentioned social media earlier. And I want you to speak into that because, you know, we see like who someone really is and then sort of their Instagram feed, right? And that there seems to be a like even a digital gap, a visual gap, not just an integrity gap of going, man, I've walked through their living room. There are dirty clothes all over their floor. There are toys everywhere you step. And now that picture looks like a perfect living room. So how is social media deepening or intensifying the integrity gap? And then what do we do about it? Hmm. There is, that is so good. Okay. Let's just be real. I've only been on social media a year because of writing books. Jeff is not on social media and those are principles. It's not a right or a wrong. It's just the way that we've decided to be really present in our, Mm. who God has in our circles. Mm. Um, but I shifted that a year ago due to thinking about the broader audience of uh, Courageous Girls, another organization that we run and trying to speak into the lives of moms and daughters. <laughs> it is hard. So I I mean, what I was saying before is kind of like uh, someone who critiques parenting before they have kids. Like, I'm like, just don't do that. Um, now I'm like, oh, my goodness, this thing is hard because the pull to want to post something to be vulnerable. I mean, I've posted something really raw and vulnerable and I took it down right away. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, that's, I don't know where that's going. Mm. So here's the wisdom that, and the principle is set up very clear boundaries and live by those boundaries. So if I said, I'm not going to be on social media on Sunday, then that's what I need to be doing to keep my integrity gap mm-hmm. um, or to shrink my integrity gap. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to um, say that I'm going to post once a day, then I need to be consistent with that. Mm-hmm. And then I also need to make sure I have a few other people who are watching my feed and who are saying, hey, that's not really real what you said there, or you're kind of only giving this side of who you are. Um, what is your purpose and your motivation for social media? If it's to find support, as a leader, that's a really unhealthy place. Mm. Um, it's a really unhealthy place. If it's to be known, if it's to find your fame, to give your purpose. But if if it's something that God is calling you to, just know what that is and, and stay in line there. And then when that is not happening, then you need to get off or realign those boundaries again. Um, yeah, motive is everything. You guys know this. And and I love we love this, the Proverbs, right? All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And I just think that, that, that I'm so thankful that when I when I first read that, and I don't know, it was a long time ago. But that's one that stuck with me. And I just know that there's no little, there's no scallywag and wiggle room around that. Right. And, and God's not like, you know, looking ready to get us. No, it's like motive is a condition of the heart, you know, mm-hmm. and, and our motives are inescapable before him. And he wants our motives to be like his. And that is hard. And that is where we will never have the no integrity gap in this lifetime. But man, we can be asking God, where, where am I at right now? Why am I wanting to do this? Am I responding to a dopamine hit that I'm needing? You know, cause that's, what's going on when you hear the ding, 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 or whatever, the blue light and, and all those platforms that are, can, were created to, to create addiction or how am I managing that? Right. Just like I am managing anything else, like for my need to exercise, am I over exercising? Am I under exercising? Am I so on and so forth? So or sports motive or Netflix is, or, you know, eating you chocolate, know? whatever it is. Yes. It falls in that category. I would just say social media is on the same line as pornography and heroin. So we just have to hold it's, you know, it's hard to just have a small little shot of it. Uh, so if you've got an addictive tendency as a leader, then you got to have some really strong boundaries and accountability with social media. So let's talk a little bit more about your book. And I want to talk about some of the red flags because these red flags uh, seem to come up. I, when I work with different leaders in the past, I've noticed these. I don't know if we can address these. They're there. What are some of those red flags that we need to be aware of in other leaders, but even more scarily in ourselves? 
So good, Gerald. It's so hard, but most of us have are thinking of a leader in mind where we go, wow, do they know that they have those issues or are they just completely oblivious? If they're completely oblivious, they are on the narcissistic personality disorder uh, continuum. So we'll talk a little bit more about that and we go into depth in our book. But red flags. um, Blind spots. Blind spots. A a leader who is literally just blowing up everywhere, uh, defensive, angry, just fumbling, and is oblivious. There's no ownership. There's no repair happening. They just move on and everybody else in the system moves on. Big, big red flag. Um, Oftentimes those are coming because they're leaders who have childhood trauma. So much of what we have worked with over the years in the last 20 years, we found that most high level leaders, high capacity leaders have some sort of childhood trauma. Healthy leaders have resolved that and have worked Mm. through that and become very empathetic, compassionate, really grounded leaders. And the unhealthy ones are the ones with unresolved trauma who've pushed past their story and makes them Doing, they do that with everybody else around them. They lack empathy and have an inability uh, to care um, on a deeper level. And so they go through the motions, they're high performers, but you can't ever really you know, get close to those leaders. So big red flags there. Yeah, actually, let me interrupt with you a little bit here because this is so good. Let's stay on this topic. I know no two people are the same. I know, I know we're all different and unique, but let's say there's someone who's experienced childhood trauma, that's very similar to leader B over here who's experienced childhood trauma. What's the difference of trajectory of, of leader A that goes this way, but leader B goes in a very destructive direction? Ah. What's the difference of someone who overcomes versus someone that says, no, nope, not going to do that. I'm going to continue to live in that. What's the difference there? I think the primary difference, and Tara may have some input on this, is, is, is that that leader is not trying to get their needs met in unhealthy ways. Think about that for a moment, Ben. And and that should challenge all of us, right? Every single one of us, no matter how seasoned and spiritually mature you are, think that the that the best that we can have it is, is that we're doing less of that. We're doing less of trying to get our needs met through other people in unhealthy ways. And our leadership role, trying to get our needs met in our leadership exactly. role. Exactly. So, yeah. so what that means is, is that you're on a journey when you start this journey of cognitively trying to shrink your integrity gap with the help of the Holy Spirit and others and a few others you know, that can go deep with you in that trusted relationships where you're supporting each other in this journey is how am I taking the pulse? How am I doing right now? And how are you doing and getting needs met in unhealthy ways? And that is the beautiful blend that we're actually trying to help the people in the church and leaders in the church understand is that the, that the clinical side of this is God designed actually. And mm-hmm. it, it, it takes into consideration what he did when he created our brains and it's not um, based in, uh, in, in anything absent of, uh, of what God's doing. There's an integration that can happen there that allows us to minister more effectively in Jesus' name and more like him. Let me get really practical as a clinician. So let's say you're 55 You've been leading for 55 years, you know, well, 50, let's say you've been leading since kindergarten and you're um, you've done a lot of your own work. You lead lots of others in their own work. You, you've done a lot of counseling in the church. I'll ask you to tell me your timeline and I can tell somebody has processed their story. If they can tell their story and stay congruent and integrated with it, they grieve when they talk about um, their the divorce of their parents. They can be honest about how hard it was when they experienced that childhood abuse. It's the person that takes the 30,000 foot view and just flies over it and dismisses it as if it wasn't no big deal. Mm. That's the person that I go, yeah, we've probably got some more to do because you haven't quite grieved yet. You've told your story, you're aware of your story, but you've not connected. And so we talk about how leaders often live with being only ahead and they've disconnected from their entire body. They've never really felt um, God integrate, felt what he does has done in their life and their entire story at a heart level and at a gut level. And that mm. takes time. And it takes letting someone else in. And a lot of us just don't like that. <laughs> Let me just say this is that that, that this is where we want to really advocate for the church to, to 
in a healthy and appropriate way in, integrate what we, what's in, indisputable from a neuroscience standpoint and with what we know already about God and his design and our hearts, our souls, and what he's shared with us and revealed to us through his word and the Holy Spirit through this. And um, in church, and the and one of the biggest red flags is, is in the churches at large is we're such contributors to this capacity and performance like mindset. Right. And, and there is, is there a better place? We argue, is there a better place for leaders, especially Christian leaders to actually be hiding than under capacity and performance where everybody celebrates that sermon and that worship song and that, and, or the church growth or the, the giving and the, and the building campaign and the properties and all of the things that are taking place. And those are signs of growth. And we reframe that all that, but what, what's happening in a leaders in leaders lives as they're with their huge capacity to um, push down the, the traumas that they have not resolved is, is that their gap continues to grow. And it's just a matter of time. And it's also impacting people as they go over time in ways that they may not see. They're leaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, they may they might be the first person to say, no, that's not happening. Or I dealt with my childhood's trauma. And those would be some of the flags, you know, um, that or, we would say need, need more attention, need, need more time. And time, it takes time, does it? You cannot rush that process. Trauma is stored in the body and the physical evidence of of unpacking that cannot be rushed. That's the difference between um, counseling, which is that root level, long kind of marathon pace, real slow as the client needs and coaching, for example, which is like fruit level stuff. Uh, That's a lot faster. It can be more um, uh, done more quickly, right? You know, so, and both are needed. My goodness. I was going to say, or the most common response that leaders have, you said, um, you know, I dealt with my childhood trauma. Most would probably say I didn't have childhood trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would say 100% of childhood trauma survivors say that I did not have childhood trauma. Someone else has had worse. And then when I hear the story, I'm going, I would have never put my children through that. You know, Mm. that sense of grieving and and until we tell someone our story, sometimes we have no clue because it's the only story we know. Mm. And leaders, particularly pastors, sit with so much pain, Mm. so much pain. Secondary trauma. That it's easy to start to think, you know, I didn't really have it that bad. Um, because I've sat with so much, so we're we're going on and on. We could we could spend no. hours. <laughs> I, part of me is like, keep going, keep going, because I think you're you're really hitting, um, you're just hitting so much that is, it's like this this just isn't talked about because normally when there's a conversation about integrity, it's you suck at it and you need to get better. <laughs> right. I mean, like honestly, like it, yeah. it it's not a fluid. And I love the way you guys are framing this around you know, it's, it's about a shrinking and a gap and there's ebb and flow and there's movement. And I feel like it's so uh, hopeful for pastors, but even wondering too, like, you know, what are some of the stories that you got, you guys probably have a, a, a ton of horror stories of, and most pastors do horror stories of how this has gone terribly wrong. And we, many of us live with the trauma of seeing um, that gap so huge that it just steamrolls over congregations and people and families. But what are some of the what are those some of the stories that you all celebrate? Like where you've seen leaders' lives completely transformed? There are so many of those and 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 brings tears to my eyes thinking. And it often starts with, honestly, it starts with a pastor's uh, child, or it starts with their spouse coming in. And the slow and steady work of them working through their own place and having nowhere else to tell anyone, because if they talk honestly about what's going on in their home, then it's their livelihood. It's the fall of ministry. The you reputation know, and they're of the holding, church or the reputation of Jesus. And they're holding the tension also of really that um, ambivalence that happens in trauma, where I love you and I hate you all at the same time. And so mm. in counseling or in these coaching sessions where we can be super honest and there's no consequences yet. It's just laying out the story and we're letting God do the healing and in the process. So it usually starts with one person in the family um, or someone in the family system of a church staff. So that happens as well, but it's most likely in the most personal places. 
And then from there, an invitation to come and slowly start working on helping your spouse or helping your daughter. And then over time, that slow and steady process of being able to look into your own life and the impact that you have had on the people you love the most. But it's in a safe place and it's in a place of grace where your identity is not based on how you perform. It's just simply on being honest. And that's, that's hard to do um, when there's so much on the line, but the story that one of the stories that I love took about eight years. And I know that's not encouraging for most, but when I think about a lifetime of <laughs> 90 years, that's not very long. I mean, eight years um, might be worth eight it. Eight years of an entire family of a pretty severe, he'd be on this narcissistic continuum, beloved pastor, um, and his family was dying on the vine. And when the wife came in, she could barely talk. Uh, she just was whitewashed in the background of his life. And over time, him coming to recognize, he stepped back. He made the decision about four years in to pull back from all that he was doing to save the world and to really tune in to his adult children at this time. And I remember the family session with them and just overwhelmed by the time these young adults could actually tell their dad um, the good and the not so good Mm. in a safe place. And, um, their restoration on so many levels. And that family um, is now helping so many others, but on a smaller scale, instead of Mm -hmm. the big stage, grandiose ways that a narcissistic continuum person likes, it's slow and steady and really trusting the process of what God's doing. And um, that was tremendously hard work and their wake extends really far. And so the fact that they took the time to shrink all of them to shrink their integrity gap mm. is impacting far more than we'll know. We'll find out in heaven. Let I mean, it be, Lord. Just, mm. um, yeah. 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 Well, let me get really meta here and let me kind of drill down a little bit here because uh, we, Doug and I trust you all for sure. <laughs> but how would we know? Again, this is meta. We do trust you, but this is more theory. How would we know that you aren't pulling our legs by writing a book about integrity that you're being full of integrity right now? So in other words, like what? That is a great question. So what practices do you all have in place as sort of checks and balances or accountability so that you aren't betraying the message of your own book? And I just love that you asked that because that is as real as it gets. And, and here's the thing we would say is, is that you shouldn't trust us. <laughs> and, uh, and, That's true. And, and that to give trust so quickly, which I know you guys understand, <laughs> to give that is part of the problem, actually. Oh. Trust is earned with consistency over time. Yeah. And you don't, you know a little bit about us is the truth. So you've read our bio, you've maybe looked at up some of our work and we love and, trustworthy. And examined some of our, <laughs> our materials and and you, you leaned into um, a person that you maybe have more trust in uh, uh, who is representing us that said, Jeff and Tara are doing something here that I think that you're going to resonate with. And <clears throat> all of that, of course, builds some level, right? A small level of trust. But um, in, in the church, and you guys understand this as well as anybody, you know, we do, we, we give trust too quickly and we reframe it inappropriately um, as we see the scriptures of, you know, and focus and take things out of context so much. And, um, and in wisdom, Jesus would say, um, and as we look at his word, the Bible is full of examples of where trust was broken, where trust um, was also rebuilt in healthy ways. And, Mm -hmm. and the, Scriptures are full of abuse. And and the wisdom would say, and Jesus even said this, he didn't entrust himself. The gospels say that he didn't even entrust himself to man for he knew what was in the heart of men. Mm. And and that is, um, I can't remember the reference, but um, I love that Jesus didn't fully entrust himself to men because he knew what was in the heart. He knew that that we weren't fully complete like him yet. And, mm. and so all that to say, um, don't trust us. <laughs> you, you started and I thank you for the start. And, and I will say this to anyone that we engage with here. Um, if you see things that feel incongruent, 
hear things and hear us that feel incongruent to the message of living with integrity, it being a lifestyle, it being something that we have to choose again and again and again. Um, uh, with love, with truth and grace, reach back to us, will you? You know, and, you know and, and help us to stay on that message, you know? And uh, so that's, I guess, what I would say. And uh, and hopefully over time, that, that trust that started as a little bit here will, will grow and uh, and us with you. And uh, I think that that's what we're shooting for when we talk about um, believers and Christian leaders and pastors and the environments that they create in their staffs and with their elder boards. And let's have that kind of thing. Let's have, don't, don't look to me and, and, and let's fall into the hero worship tendency. Let's keep the main things, the main things and realize that we're all submitted to the main thing. And that is, God Almighty. And to be honest, um, we've got our own people that know us as Jeff and Tara. They don't know us as author, counselor, coach, living wholehearted. They know us as Jeff and Tara. And so I'm super raw and real with those people. I know Jeff is. We both have those rhythms in place and we've had those for years. We have mentors. We have people that are older and wiser and put us in our place sometimes. And we also have people we do life with and we're consistent with over a long period of time. We've been in the same church community for almost 20 years. And that being consistent and staying in the same place is part of integrity, shrinking our integrity gap, because those people know us when and they know us now. And we hope that they can keep us kind of grounded, regardless of where God has us going um, mm-hmm. to be able to hop around and move around out of community all the time is part of one of those red flags. So we try to stay really grounded in the community God has placed us in. Yeah, that's great. And just for the record, there's no reason for us to not believe you in the little that we do know you, but we're yeah. very grateful for your answer on that. So, uh, and, and, uh, yeah. And Doug, you may have a, a question as well. I just one or two more and, and, and we're so grateful for your time uh, here today, but thinking about this, the idea of, you know, sort of grace and truth, right? So, uh, you know, Jeff earlier, you talked about, you know, oh, we're going to talk to them. Right. And sort of a little like, a little slap on the back of the hand, right? But they didn't really address the issue versus let's, you know, cancel culture today. I saw you do one little thing wrong and you're out. I get out of here. So if that's on the continuum from incredible legalism, almost expecting perfection and one little way we're going to smack you and get out of here, we're firing you versus too much grace to an unhealthy measure. How do we know in wisdom, you know, where that is if we're, working with someone whose gap seems to be quite large and in terms of integrity, we want to help them. How do we avoid the two gutters in the bowling alley to roll that ball straight down the middle of the lane? It's so good. And it's honestly, it's such, it's harder to put into practice, but Matthew 18 principle, and Mm -hmm. there's got to be room and margin in whatever system, whether it's the family or their organizational system, there's got to be time and margin to get to know one another. Uh, If we're doing too much of the tasks at hand, that's where you get two sides of the coin. There's just not enough time. We can't deal with these issues. So you're out or slap on the hand. We don't have time to go deeper. So having regular rhythms of relationship where there's um, check-ins, but Matthew 18, you know, really addressing it and and learning how to do conflict resolution well, um, to be able to be direct, to be able to be able to communicate, to listen well, to be able to hear somebody's story in context, and then having an actual plan. What are you going to do about that? And then I always tell people, I say, you, time will tell mm-hmm. if somebody's truly repentant, mm-hmm. if they're a David or a Saul heart and, and a David heart, we see with time that their life turns. And so that's what we need to be able to see before we just throw, toss someone out. Um, and time and consistency before we hire people. I think if we do more due diligence on the front end or, re- or restore people <laughs> or restore people on the back end yeah. to take the time. So I, I, I hear, I can just sit with all these faces of pastors who are just overwhelmed and just thinking, I have no more time to give. And I said, well, then let's start there because I think we would be healthier teams and healthier people if we actually had time to get to know one another a little bit and to actually take those uh, restitution steps um, 
otherwise we just want fast to get rid of and move on. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as you said, hun, Matthew 18, I think that might've been a trigger for a lot of pastors, right. Um, who've been really injured by Matthew okay, 18 done not very well. And I, I guess we want to, what you hear Tara saying for sure is that time Matthew 18 isn't designed to be like a rush, like, a, like a cancel moment, right? I mean, God, in in that design, I'm thankful that he talks and values relationships and healthy relationships so much that he provides shepherds with tools, but motive is needs to be right in that process along the way. And it's not, it's not a, a tool we use to get an end that we envision needs to happen in our selfishness. And we just, Matthew 18, it, we did it, <laughs> you know, no. Um, and, uh, um, it, it, Time is the great equalizer here in terms of revealing what a person is putting out there in a moment of confession or repentance. I, I love David's heart of contrition. Search me and know me, test me, see if there be any wicked way within me, lead me in the way of everlasting. I love that. I think God would say, now I'm going to watch you live that out, David. And he did. And David didn't do it perfectly. <laughs> that is different than the Saul scenario there, you know? Saul was trying to minimize, oh, I, I offered the sacrifice because everybody was late, you know, or whatever it is, you know, and, and, and those are flags of a heart that is, isn't rightly submitted and actions did show over time, you know, and time is, it's just, it's part of the solution, whether you're dating and you're, you know, you're trying to get to know the person that you think you might marry. I mean, the old, the idea that in two years, it's pretty hard to hide everything about who you are and how you'll be. There's wisdom in that, right? We advocate a premarital wherever we do that. Hey, take that time. It, it's worth it. You know, not that that's a formula for 100 yeah. percent success, but anyhow. I'm thinking about the pastor right now who's wanting to confess to someone, right? you know, who's listening and is just feeling uh, the Lord saying it's time. It's time to be honest about where you're at. And um, so don't be flippant with who you confess to. Uh, I think that is wisdom to say, who can you talk to that could help you do the slow and steady next steps um, to find the help in a confidential place and to really with wisdom say, here's the next steps um, versus the fast. You're right. Going through Matthew 18. And now we find yourself <laughs> confessing to the entire church yeah. two days later yeah. that that does more harm and more trauma for everybody. Mm. Um, so knowing who you're confessing to, but not somebody that's going to just pray for you and uh, check in with you in three weeks. We need somebody who's going to actually walk with you step by step by step and more than probably one person, probably two people so that it, the weight isn't just on one other. But and you might need somebody with competency, you know, yeah. um, people who are who, who understand trauma and trauma informed theology. Right. I mean, that's and that's that's even um, yeah. so. And even just to be very practical with your listeners today, you know, two places that are safe places that have been, in our views, been safe for a long time. Tara, what, what, 20 years ago plus, when you were an intern, even at, at the call center at Focus on the Family, it was, you were taking, you were a college age student, but you were taking calls in the call center of ministry leaders worldwide that were calling to confess. And they still have that an anonymous space where and, and Focus does a good job at, at resourcing people with next steps and helpful steps in their area and have, have resources that way. Also, um, more closely to us even to this day is our friends at TrueFace. And they um, have been doing this. TrueFace mm -hmm. Ministries has been doing this covertly before they ever were an organization and uh, in, in being a safe place for people pastors, ministry leaders, anybody who would identify themselves as a Christian to be able to process and open up the doors of actually really uh, shrinking their integrity gaps, dealing with the compartmentalization, the pain, the addictions, the things, and their wise leaders helping people take practical steps over time to unpack and to get more healthy. And uh, so those are just two spaces that we say that we could say um, uh, are places that people can take advantage of to begin that journey of getting help. It's mm -hmm. so important that you do that in wisdom. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeff and Tara, um, man, I just love your wholeheartedness and the way that you guys have just poured out your own souls into this conversation that we've had. Um, and I, I would love for the two of you 
um, just as the last question, just to give a blessing um, over pastors and ministry leaders um, in this season. I am just so grateful um, for every leader who has said yes to God's call in their life. Mm. And I just pray that um, that you would be willing to let God into every crevice of your story to know mm. that he's trustworthy, that he loves you right where you are, that you don't have to do anything different to change that love. And so often um, us leaders are trying to show everyone else love when really we desperately need to know we're loved too. And so I'm praying that you would know his mighty love for you right here now, wherever you're at. Um, and knowing that uh, he's right with you, walking with you and will take you to the next steps so that you can um, find more freedom in the life that he has called you to. And pastor <clears throat> ministry leader, thank you uh, for uh, the heart that you uh, have, um, and maybe you felt like you've lost heart, lost energy, um, return to your first love. He's, he's there. He, he sees you um, as his child. And you, you say that, you know that, you lend that hope to others uh, every, every week, with every message, with every phone call, you're lending that hope let it, um, if, if it feels like you're doing that because that's what you're supposed to do, let that be a tell that God has something so much more for you, that, that he wants to get you back into a space where because of what Tara has described, he, that you know how much you are loved, you're able to love others without needing to get something met from them in an unhealthy way. And, and let God just lavish his love upon you. Take the time that you need. It's more important than even kingdom work that you're doing. Uh, and in the name of ministry, it, it, it may be your, your God's number one priority for you to reorientate your own heart so that you can be more like him in that scenario and, and uh, take that and, and, and pursue that and let him pr pursue you in that, do that with someone else in the journey. And, um, and God bless you and may he uh, keep you, make his face shine upon you. Not that you're putting on the mask to shine, mm -hmm. but that it, he's shining out of you. Mm. And you're not mm. having to do anything because it's coming from within you. And, and that's what he wants to give you. And he can do it again. He can do it again, Pastor. And mm. uh, may he do it. And, uh, and maybe we all celebrate what he does. Mm -hmm. He's still doing these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, thank you so much Amen. for being on the program with us. We're so grateful for your time. Well, Doug, we really enjoyed that conversation uh, with Jeff and Tara, didn't we? We really did. It was it was super it was super informative, and also I just really appreciated their um, just their heart towards pastors and ministry leaders. Just yeah. beautiful. And the way that they talked about it was very different than what I expected. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. What were some of the, the key things that bubbled to the surface of your soul as you were hearing them? Well, when they said our brains, ministry leaders, and just in general, our brains are on overload with the epidemic and or the pandemic and all the different things that are happening. Um, it just, it really resonated with me because there are moments when I find myself forget, this is so dumb, but the other day I was emptying the dishwasher and I went to open up a drawer in my, in my kitchen that has been sealed shut for, since I installed the kitchen. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, why did I even reach for that drawer? And just realizing there are certain things where I just, I, I, I notice things are kind of slipping or I forget. And I think some of that is just speaking to that space of feeling the overwhelm that's happening. Um, and I think secondly, even just from the perspective of really fighting to find space and time to process. Um, I was sitting around a fire pit with some pe people just a few nights ago and I said, tell me the story of where you were when you first heard about the pandemic and the journey that you have been taken on in the last, you know, six, seven months. And it was fascinating because I, and there were a lot of tears present. And I think it's because um, people started to actually pay attention to what was happening internally. 
Mm. And so I think those two things that that it just really, really resonated with me. How about you? What are I mean, I saw you were nodding your head like a wild person, like at a rock concert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What were some things for you, man? Well, I just love the word congruent and Mm. they use the word congruent and incongruent throughout. And so I, I just yeah, congruency remains with me. Because that's what it's about. I mean, when you when you narrow, when you shrink the integrity gap, it means you're living congruently, um, which is great. So the other thing is, you know, I asked that question, Doug. Like, uh, you know, how do we know you aren't just hoodwinking us? Like, how? Uh, why? Mm. Why should we trust you? Right? As and I wasn't trying to put them on the spot or nail them. I it actually comes from my own experience and. You know, way back when when I was in Colorado Springs, my first ministry position in our twenties, um, and I was like the twenty somethings young adult Gen X pastor uh, of a large church in Colorado Springs, and the the other churches in and around uh, the large churches around Colorado Springs that had young adult full time pastors, we would get together once a month and have lunch and just pray mm. for each other and update each other and ask how we're doing, kind of best practices stuff. It was really beautiful. And then we started saying, instead of having lunch and rotating it like who hosts it, what if we also invited our senior pastor to join us for lunch and we can just ask questions of the senior pastor, which was really great. And we were sitting in one of the churches and we were sitting with a senior pastor who isn't just known in the state, but is known around the country and around the world. And we were sitting in his office and I distinctly remember asking him a question. And if I said this person's name, you would totally recognize him and and the situation. And I just said, so how do we know you're telling us the truth? Like, what are some ways that you keep yourself uh, integrous and truthful and congruent? Um, And this person actually went through a long list of uh, their plan, their ways in which their accountability partners and the things they had in their lives and the people that had access to their, you know, email addresses and their phone records and their internet searches. And I thought, wow, this is really impressive. This person's so full of integrity. And within just a few months time, that person was on the front of every major news source in the United States after being exposed in incredible scandal uh, and was forced out of ministry. And it all, the whole ministry came crumbling down and all three of those other pastors texted me and they said, oh my gosh, I remember your question. Like they said, that's the first thing that I thought of when I saw the news uh, scrolling across CNN Mm -hmm. uh, was that. So I, I, it doesn't, I I do trust people. I don't have trust issues, but I do keep that in mind, especially Mm. as people who are in ministry, who look like they have their things together. I'm not saying that's going to happen to the Matsons. Not at all. I'm definitely (laughs) like wonderful people and I do trust them appropriately. But I mean, that's, that's what was rushing through my mind, the entire interview of hearing this senior leader who's known around the country and around the world, who would speak often about the importance of integrity mm. and living authentically and vulnerably and, and not being hypocritical, was exposed as one of the greatest hypocrites in the, in the history of sort of modern, modern evangelicalism. So anyway, but uh, yeah, what are, some, uh, what are some resources that we can give to our, to our guests, Doug? Yeah, before I jump into that, yeah. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that, JR. I feel like uh, just how hard it is to even thinking back from being a young pastor, like one of the the first church that I was at, there were three moral failures within like a year of each other. And um, like that does damage to the soul of the pastors who are on staff too. And like, even from the pastor that, you know, from being a young 20 some year old interviewing this pastor and, and, and experience that like that, that takes a toll on us. And, and I think that that's where the Matsons were so helpful, just paying attention to that. Like, have you fully healed? I'm not saying that you haven't, but even just realizing, like, for some of the pastors listening, you're you're scrolling through your Rolodex of memories and you're like, yeah, like that happened like twice in the churches that I was at. Or, you know, why is this continue to sort of seem to follow me? It's like, man, pay attention. Like, what does congruence look like in that particular space? So, yeah, sorry. I just I, I appreciate your vulnerability in that, JR. I just wanted mm. to point that out. So some mm. resources. Um, First of all, their book uh, that's 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 out. Uh, 
yeah, shrinking the integrity gap between what leaders preach and live. Uh, definitely pick that up. Uh, it just sounds like they had so many, there's so many good things that, I, that I've gleaned already from that book and looking forward to giving it a very careful read again. Um, also, uh, trueface.org um, is a website that they mentioned. And also the Matson's uh, website, which is uh, livingwholehearted.com would be, or yeah, .org would be a great um, great website to check out. What are some questions you have, JR? Yeah, three questions based on what the Matson said. First of all, what are your masks? We say here, naming things has a way of changing things. Um, and so what are the masks, even the ministry mask that you use, number one? Number two, how would you know when your life is congruent? How would others know when your life is congruent as well? And then number three, who has the backstage pass to your life? Who is so unimpressed mm. about who you are? <laughs> I think those are uh, those are some questions we can live, leave with our listeners. And so, pastors, we're grateful for you. We know you have a difficult job. There's so much mounting. There's fertile ground for a integrity gap with isolation, expectations, and even the structure sometimes of church in North America itself. And so we thank you, but we also want to press in with you and challenge you to make sure that you've got someone asking the questions to not uh, be impressed by your life. Henry Nowen said, we need pastors. We, we need people who don't need us as pastors. And so find people who don't need you. May the Lord bless you today as you go. And may you remember to shrink the integrity gap. 